guys, welcome to a special episode of Movie Schmovie. This is going to be episode 192.5. This is one of our, uh, I don't know, is, is it, are they infamous or does anybody even notice that we do these things remotely or do they care? I don't I think so, the, man. I don't, yeah. I don't think they do. That, that's partially probably because John is so good at masking the fact that we're not together <laughs> and, and his editing skills kind of hide that. But uh, we, we got together to, at least over the phone, to hurry up and get an episode in to talk about this week's big release of uh, Wonder Woman. So what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Pretty good, man. Not bad. <laughs> See, that awkward pause right there is where John would edit that. <laughs> and make it right. sound like we were together. <laughs> I mean, this time I'm going to have to leave it in just so that people know what we're dealing yeah, with. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you tighten things up and everybody sounds a little bit sharper. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know. But yes, we've all seen Wonder Woman. I guess the sensible question to start with would just be, what are your general thoughts on um, not just this movie, Steve, but what was at stake with this movie? Um... Well, I mean, I think just in terms of, I think there's a lot of couple or a couple things in motion like that this movie is going to probably be able to at least prolong a little bit for the studios and these, uh, you know, like the DC comic world, which is the idea of franchise or, you know, blockbuster fatigue and um, just the legs that the DC universe of uh, superhero films is going to have. Um I think that overall, like if you look at last weekend, I mean, even this this box office so far this spring summer as a whole, it's um, it's been very underwhelming, and uh, you know, so this film is kind of going into the weekend not only looking to say, hey, uh, this might be uh, it, one of if not the best, you know, well, in my opinion, just off the bat, the, the best of the of these this new DC crop of films. But it also is something that will, you know, speak to, um, you know, our audience is tired of at least the superhero genre of the blockbuster movies. It seems like a lot of the franchises, the remakes, the reboots, these like retreads have kind of burned out. Um, and, you know, then every once in a while one comes along and revitalizes it and gives studios enough clout to say, no, no, they're not done yet. Like, look, this movie just made a billion dollars. But... Um, I think Wonder Woman is really interesting because there's so many things to talk about with uh, the just the subject matter of the film, you know, the star of the film, the director of the film, what the film means to DC, what the film means to comic book fans, to the general movie going public, and uh, I think all those things combine what the film means for a huge segment of a box office audience, which is just women in general, and I think it's a really interesting conversation and. Uh, Hopefully one that we'll get into here in a moment. Obviously, DC has had three financial successes in a row right. that nobody, or at least I won't say nobody liked, but that if you look at the general mass opinion, these weren't movies that charmed people or that set their hearts afire or that turned them on to these characters in a way that should happen with properties like Batman and Superman, where there is all this attachment. And I think there's a lot of uh, pressure for those movies to be good. And there's a lot of people who want them to be good. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting to me that with Wonder Woman, DC has kind of made the movie that they should have made all along, you know, and the, really the movie that they should have been able to make with Superman, which is just a solid sort of origin story 
about someone whose decency or goodness is is really what sets them apart from from the people around them. Right. And that you follow through. I mean, now we've obviously talked about this before, but Captain America has kind of become that on the Marvel side. And I came out of this movie thinking that Gal Gadot embodied this character and did the sort of unlikely thing that Chris Evans also did, which is taking a character that could be kind of corny and could be kind of square and making it somebody who you would say, okay, I I would follow that person into battle. Right. That's what's been kind of missing from the DC movies, even though they have these iconic characters, is this heroic treatment that feels genuinely heroic and like you can get behind it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this movie, to me, hit that spot. As successful as this movie is in a lot of ways, in a lot of other ways, it is something we've seen before and there are very familiar beats, but there are so many things that made it fresh that I I just, I came out of it really liking it. What did you think, Ronald? Um, well, I, I, there's a lot at stake, um, maybe more than any of the other movies for a bunch of reasons. Obviously, uh, a movie led by a woman, the idea of financial victories versus moral victories, because financial, financially, like you said, the three movies have been winning on a, on a large scale, right? But the moral victory is what counts. Like the... Because that's the difference between somebody being a people's champ and something like Avatar, which doesn't have any like residual cultural impact. Right. And I think it's important that it was important that this movie was good enough to kind of have an impact on culture to be like uh, a people's champ where people are kind of spreading the word and the movie kind of developing into this bigger thing. And I think that it has the power to do that. You know, I'll say that early. There's something about this movie that regardless of the things that didn't click, it had enough that worked for it that proved to me that this is almost like, I know it sounds weird to say it, this is almost like counterculture to the Marvel stuff. And I hate to, I'm not trying to compare them in terms of quality. I mean, in terms of what's happening in the Marvel world versus what's happening in the DC world. I'm trying to keep this review devoid of that. But this is counterculture. This is something very different than any of the Marvel movies have been doing. It's something very different than even the DC movies have been doing. And that's having, like you said, an origin story that's based in a time period that hasn't really been done. That's a woman-led movie that has some very big, deep ideas um, and tackles a bunch of cool things and almost feels like the way that the Doctor Strange and Ant-Man movies were kind of isolated, but also a part of a bigger world, I think it tackled all that stuff in a very cool way. And long story short, I think that it's going to win and it's going to create a momentum that I hope that Justice League can kind of continue. But it's 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 made its stamp because at this point, um, prior to us even seeing, the mo- even seeing the movie, Rotten Tomatoes had it at like a 90-something. And that's very different than any other movie has been for DC. So I don't know. I, I think it's a very big victory for them. And, and, and a, a big victory for women in general. So I don't know. Yeah. That, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, when we were in line, Ronald, uh, at the screening last night, there was a moment where I looked over, and maybe you saw her too, there was a little maybe four-year-old girl who was dressed up in a little Wonder Woman outfit, and she was kind of doing cartwheels and jumping around, and she was real excited to be at the movie. And I don't want to be overly cheeseball about that aspect, but I did think to myself, okay, that's what's really cool about this movie without even having seen a frame. You know, I was like, that's what's cool right there, is that a character who's been around for 75 years... uh, uh, 
and we've had our ninth reboot of Batman and our our fifth reboot of Superman, and they're finally putting this character on the big screen. Right. That did feel like something very momentous, you know, and it was so well handled. And I kind of mentioned earlier how well I thought Gal Gadot kind of rose to the occasion. But um, I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit about that. Just is this DC's best casting yet? I mean, now that we've seen what she can do and how she can basically carry the fuck out of a movie. Yeah. I mean, probably. Just in terms of acting chops, right? The ability to kind of slip in and out of humor to seriousness and then kind of uh, a depth to this character. I don't think that I've seen a DC character yet that's been able to tackle all those things quite as well as she has. Um, and that's, that's huge. That's huge because again, this is, this is like a first in terms of a women led movie in terms of the first version of a full length wonder woman movie that's taken seriously. And, and I think it, she covers every sort of spectrum of the human emotion in this movie. And I think that, it's it's incredible. I, I first you got to get over how beautiful she is, because that's the thing, man. She's gorgeous, and and I think that as as a thirty three year old man, I could I could honestly say that I can look past that and see the the range that she has as as an actress. And I think that it's a big big deal to have somebody that can do all of these things combined with be beautiful and be a strong person and be vulnerable so i think that capture all that in one character is is huge so i don't don't know how you guys feel about it she's she's just very commanding in her presence and part of that is that she's yes very beautiful but there's also something about her her grasp of the character and i do think it has a lot to do with that kind of um tonal shifting that you're talking about that's just very spry and this was a movie where practically the camera's on her face the whole time um, and yes, it, it, it does feel different. There's something, the feminine influence on this movie, the storyline, the character, Patty Jenkins, the director, it's very significant that it doesn't feel like a quote unquote woman superhero movie. It just feels like another big tentpole that's really successful. But I think that that in and of itself is kind of bold. And I think that Gal Gadot's casting and just how well she embodies that is really a big part of the appeal. What did you think, Steve, of that, of that central performance? Yeah, no, I mean, I think she's great in it. I think that there's a little more, I mean, I guess I, I, I don't know. Like, I guess there were parts in the film that kind of felt a little uneven to me, like in her performance. Uh, I don't know, like certain beats that I felt like really wasn't playing as I guess I was, had expected it to. Um, I would say that in most cases, any, any, um, any of her scenes that she really has one-on-one with Chris Pine's character are, are some of the best parts of the film. And um, I think they kind of just both, you know, their chemistry, they're just kind of elevating one another, I think, in, in terms of their scenes. But, um, you know, leaving Batman vs Superman, a lot of people felt that like she was some of the best stuff in that film. And she does seem really well matched for this character. And, you know, very curious to see um, what she what she gets to do in Justice League now that she's going to be coming out of this movie, possibly one of the most popular characters in this new universe that DC's created and uh, I hope that that I hope that momentum like kind of continues in Justice League, and it's not something that's kind of uh, you know kind of like put on the back burner so that Batman and Superman are or Batman at least is like you know taking care of introducing all these characters. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of a few scenes that I thought kind of were a little clunky in in terms of her performance, I, I, overall, 
I mean, you can't not like rally around her performance and just get excited. I mean, some of the action pieces are so good. Some of the humor is so good. You know, just there's, there is a nice range being delivered by her in the film. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a reason to get excited for anybody who likes, you know, the character, the kind of film. Uh, and especially if you're a female moviegoer, like looking for the about time moment for like that character to get on the screen. Like this is, this is that time to be excited. Yeah. They kind of nailed it in a way. And I didn't have a whole lot of, of expectation or association with this character going into this movie. I think we all know Wonder Woman from, you know, the Linda Carter version and the Super Friends version yeah. and all these different uh, visuals that you've seen throughout your life. But I didn't have a lot of attachment to it. But I agree with you, Steve. They did sort of take the character and kind of coalesce something. So she kind of does become the load-bearing hero of the the DC movies going forward, or at least going into Justice League, because... Again, it's that heroism. It's that she's trying to do the right thing. She's about love. I mean, the movie maybe hits that a little too hard in some parts where she keeps saying it, how much it's about love. And that's maybe one of the things that feels a little clunky to me. I mean, it was very much, in a way, uh, fish out of water, sort of like the first Thor movie was for Marvel, where you have this person who's very powerful, but kind of oblivious to the world. Right. But I thought for this epic backdrop of World War One, which they definitely exploit for a couple of, well, one action sequence in particular is great. That has a lot to do with this sort of trench warfare. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, oddly to have a giant war as the, the setting of the story, uh, it had like a very small story really at its core. Even the battle at the end felt very personal, which, you know, I had certain issues with the way that battle played out, but (laughs) it was just so drawn out. I think there were certain things that happened dramatically in that scene that could have been, could have been interesting to see, but it it did sort of, you were kind of waiting for it to be over by the time it got to that ending. Definitely. What did you guys think about the villainous element of the story in general? Like, did you like any of the villains? Did they seem complete enough uh, fleshed out enough? Did they seem <laughs> formidable? No. No. <laughs> I agree. What is it about villains, man? We have this conversation, I feel like, about 9 out of 10 uh, superhero movies. It's just like, I don't know. Like I just think that there's so much attention paid to making the audience really rally around our hero that, like, uh, you know, the, the peril that's being you know, the audience or the world or whatever the stakes are, like the, you know, the peril of the film is not really, I don't know. I don't think there's enough stake there in most of them. And and I mean, this one, even though this one is on such a, you know, it becomes on such like a massive scale by the time we get to our final showdown. But, um, it just, be, yeah, I don't know. It just becomes a thing where you like, you know, you, you see like great actors in roles that just seem like afterthoughts yeah. and, it's just like there's a you know there's a crescendo throughout this whole film of like getting to a big battle at the end and you know and that's a formula that most of these films follow and for for reason I guess but um, like John referencing the the action sequence in the middle of the film like through the no man's land which I think is what he was talking about um, yes you know like that scene is like twenty times better than the big action sequence at the end of the film. And that's like, mm-hmm. and that's a bad, and you know, that's a bad thing in terms of like your narrative and your storytelling and just the the stakes of your film. Um, the fact that you care more about them just being able to get across this, you know, like this trench warfare, as opposed to this big battle sequence between, you know, Wonder Woman and a, and a and a god in sense. You know, it's it's just that that just seems to be so out there and. 
I don't know. Like there, as much as I enjoyed the film, and and I did overall really enjoy the movie. Um, it just like there's there's definitely, you know, that moment where you know my, I literally just like rolled my eyes. You know, like when you start to pick up on the villain stuff and you see how much time is being dedicated to, not just the main villain at the end, but even the ones that you're seeing more often throughout the film. It just a lot of it just seems very just. I don't even I don't I don't know the proper word, and maybe the proper word is just like careless but i i just don't think that there's enough thought into what a good villain can do to elevate this really good movie you know i don't know i what did you guys think about the villain slash villains well you know we just saw guardians of the galaxy 2 which we all agreed had a very solid villain right, in it right right and and this movie, I was thinking, I was comparing sort of the final climax of this movie to that that movie, and of, and I think Guardians Two has a very busy climax. It does, and, you know, it does kind of it does kind of give in to sort of CGI fever at times, but I think usually, almost always, in service of storytelling choices that I like. So right. I'm fine with how how crazy it is. This movie kind of, like you said, reaches a crescendo with the finale, you know, the big battle, and you're kind of not expecting it to even be as good as the middle part of the movie because the plot just hasn't set up this grand conflict. Right. I don't like the idea of, I, I think it's kind of stupid, and it happens a lot where there's like that switcheroo, you're like, that, this isn't the person, there's somebody bigger behind this. That That's, I think... At the heart of it, I mean, when I think about movies with great villains like the Joker in Christopher Nolan's um, film series and what made him so important was kind of emphasizing the connection between the two characters. And it wasn't just the acting. It was it was really at the heart of it, the idea that they were connected on some really basic scale. Right. So that that's what kind of connected me to that movie. When I think about um, why I like the villain in Guardians, it was kind of the same issue. Like there were there were some family issues and his approach to embracing his son was, you know, irrational. But when I think about this movie and the things that she I like the idea of it just being a big person. But I'm getting sick of the floating person in the sky moving buildings and destroying things in a field that where there's no consequence and there's a big hole in the middle of it and this stuff keeps happening in every fucking movie and it, it and it's 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 really it's lazy it's dismissive of the whole idea of what what a real villain is i mean i know that sounds kind of silly but it, it's okay with it just being a simple villain that gets conquered they get beaten and there's something there's something that happens in these movies where like you know five things are going on at once somebody has to stop this thing that's going on here and here and there's lightning in the sky it just happens so much that it's a little exhausting and i would have been okay if the stakes would have been very high like somebody just trying to kill all the germans and the two, the two villains that were involved in the story, if they just would have been the, the 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 villains in the movie, I would have been all right with that. And if they would have got, that's okay. It's okay. You don't have to have another person in the sky. I I was very irritated by that. I, I thought. Well, I guess we'll get into spoilers here in a minute. I did kind of want to mention just a couple more things. How did you guys think the opening section of the movie worked out on Themyscira, her? Uh, 
her mythological home where she lives with all the Amazons. And uh, particularly, what do you think of that practice of getting a bunch of actors and just getting them, if it's supposed to be a Greek island, just getting them to speak English with a vague Greek accent? Yeah. That part was entirely too long for me. Yeah, I'll say that, that that's one of the big issues I had with the movie, like to kind of get the film going. That 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 whole um, sequence of being on the island was was far too long. And you said clunky earlier, Steve. Yeah. That was clunky. Like there was some there was some Absolutely. exposition dumps yeah. in that section that were very much like, okay, I guess I know this is going to be important right, later, right. but it felt very obligatory. Yeah. A lot of stuff that was shot there looked pretty good. I mean, like I, that's like one some of the most. Um, impress or a lot of the impressive stuff that you know a lot of us were getting excited about when they showed the trailers you know kind of getting away from the the aesthetic of the Snyder verse of the DC world um so it was nice to be able to see some of that and some of it is absolutely stunning um but just kind of once once Chris Pine's character gets there um it kind of yeah, it's it, that's like the important part of at least to me and where this story goes like a lot of the exposition that you get from her family prior to her growing up and even through her training, um, Chris Pine's portion of the time on the island is what's important, but even that is is very long. And um, mm-hmm. it just seemed to draw... I, I, don't, I just don't know that like they knew how to get them together or to get some sort of connection between them besides the fact that she saves his life, um, which seems like that could be enough to kind of bond them in some way. Um but yeah, totally agree that that's definitely one of the one of the weak spots of the film in terms of the the screenplay and also just like where the narrative's going for like it's I mean how long is it like it's a good half an hour at least right yeah it's long man it felt like it you know and I was thinking about in Man of Steel and I always I was enjoyed I haven't seen that movie in a while but I remember when I saw it I enjoyed the ten or fifteen minutes of crazy Krypton sci-fi that we got with like Russell Crowe riding on a dragon and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like it was, it was fast though. They, they, they drew it in in broad strokes. It was kind of silly, but they, they got it in and it made you feel like, okay, at least this new Zack Snyder treatment of these characters is still playing in this huge mythological playground. Sure. You know, this fantasy element is still there. And I felt like that's what the Wonder Woman movie was, was doing with that, which, you know, that's what they were doing with this movie was to say that, okay, we need to establish the land she's leaving behind so that we understand the sort of fish out of water stuff better. But I think you're right. They could have sketched it in more clearly or, or more quickly or more interestingly. You know, we could have had a really cool half hour spent on the island. The pacing was really weird. It felt like a slice of life the first 20 minutes. And you can't go from slice of life, slow pace to, to cutting into action really quickly. And I, 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 I know a lot of movies try to do it because it's like, you know, it's jarring a little bit. Oh, something interrupts this calmness that happened, but it's so boring in in terms of the difference between the, the pacing on the first 20 minutes to whenever it picks up that I, I just, it could have been done better. But it was great to see a bunch of tall, beautiful women beating each other up. That's That was cool. But <laughs> it just, it was. Bo- and, uh, and killing Germans. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know what else was uh, what else was really great to see? That 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 was Mr. Christopher Pine. Yeah, right. I I don't I don't want to I don't want to give him too much time on the Wonder Woman episode, but uh, <laughs> I I've really just like grown to love him as an actor. Like I know Definitely. we've talked about it before, but um, 
his his performance, like I said earlier in this episode, like especially when they're together and like kind of riffing on one another, but even when there's an extended cast around them, he is just so great in that role. And um, you know, his big scene towards the end is like is just I mean, there's actually a couple scenes that they have together that are some of the best stuff in the film. But um, like their boat ride out of the island is really great. You know, for whatever he's choosing to do, whether it's big franchises or smaller films or or whatever he's got coming up, um, he's definitely a shot to the top of my list as like an actor that I will pretty much watch anything he does. I agree with you. I mean, from uh, Hell or High Water to this, to the fact that I felt like he really nailed the tone that was required for the reboot of Star Trek. Totally. But no, I think that you're right. He just, he sells the emotional stakes of sort of the earthly realm. I mean, he's kind of a representative of mankind to this to these Amazons before he goes off on an adventure with Diana. And he brings that right, just that little element of this world, which has felt sort of stilted and kind of pompous and mythological. He brings that little, it's not quite comic relief, but there's just a, a down-to-earthness to his character, and you just totally believe him. And he's a thoroughly decent character who is also not threatened at all by, you know, taking second place to a woman in an era where a lot of men wouldn't be fine with that so i think that it's just a character you warm up to and it really kind of is it warms her up too to the point where she sort of over expects what what humanity is really about no totally she finally meets other people she realizes no the first man she met was actually a pretty good one and that the rest of them (laughs) are varying (laughs) maybe maybe or not yeah (laughs) um so no, but I thought he was great at that, and it's, it was funny and sweet, and I felt like this was maybe some of the best uh, sort of romance that we've seen in one of these movies in a while. Like it actually felt like two grown-ups relating to each other, and and you're right, the banter was kind of funny and and almost like old-fashioned screwball banter between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really easy to hate his face because he's a very handsome man, and. In general, you don't want to see a person that's more handsome than you, more muscular than you, being charismatic on the screen. You know, if you met a guy like Chris Chris Pine on the street, I'm, I, my initial thought would be like, he's a, he's a piece of shit before he even talks. But Chris Pine, in, in um, the last five or six things I've seen him in, has been so good that I don't even, I don't even think about that. I think about how intense he is as an actor how believable he is, how funny he is. Um, and he's another guy that can kind of go in and out of comedy and seriousness in a way that's very believable. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he's good, man. I, I, I love everything he's been in. And and it's actually because of you that I gave Z for Zachariah a chance, and I fucking loved it, man. Right, so, right. Yeah, he's good in that, too. I'm, I'm gen... I like we've kind of expressed this already that we just think going forward this character has has kind of shot up in the ranks of who might be the important characters or the characters that really bring people into say the Justice League or future films that cross over with these characters. So I'm I'm interested to see where it goes, but I do think that the sort of pros and cons of the film are not that different from many of these superhero films that we've talked about where we are looking for like you know those characters that you like that you root for, those moments that you remember Um, Some moments that kind of tug at your heartstrings, and I think this movie does all of that, but it does not reinvent the wheel. What it really does is just bring DC into the realm of of like competently making one of these movies that it seems like they should have been able to pull off already, but more power to them uh, in the future. This was this was a fun film, and I think the sort of the pros outweigh the cons by far. Absolutely. Yeah, everything you said is accurate. I think. 
Uh, it's not without its faults, but it's absolutely the step in the right direction that they need it. And um, kind of, you know, talked about it a little earlier just to kind of circle back. Like, I'm, it just makes me so curious to see what happens going forward with their whole universe of movies, like with these superhero films. Like, because right. I, I think the missteps with the Batman and Superman films is it's. I don't know. Like, I don't know that they can really course correct how they how they frame those characters. Obviously, because a lot of the stories are really built around those two, and not that they shouldn't be. I'm not suggesting that in any way. Because like, I'm fans of all these characters. I'd love to see more of all of them. But it it is a really interesting situation that they basically have backed themselves in at this point. That in most of their films they put out, the best thing about the films have been the female leads. And if oh, they yeah. do not keep that consistent in what comes forward, and that includes Aquaman, that includes Flash, that includes Justice League, they need to focus on that. They need to make sure that that's a priority, whether it's in the creative department or who they put in their films. Because you know, if anything is telling them anything, it's that they need to have more confidence in listening to what female filmmakers. I mean, like reading about Patty Jenkins and like what she did with this film and and kind of how she walked away from doing the Thor sequel. I mean, it's, she's a really interesting lady, and it's really cool to hear how she came to make this movie. And even with Zack Snyder having a story credit on the film, and and you know, obviously having a hand in some of it. Um, and all the screenwriters were male, too. That was another thing I noticed that I was kind of surprised by. But Patty Jenkins, I've read a lot about her, too, Steve. And she, her, just her ideas feel very strong. And seeing the film, you can definitely, at least I see all the stuff that she said about what she was trying to do. I see it in the movie. And I, and I don't doubt that maybe she might have made a Thor film that was very similar to this as far as that kind of fish-out-of-water romance. Uh, it sounds very much like that's what she wanted to do. And I'm a little surprised that... Marvel went with what they did over an idea that, you know, they sent, they kind of went with no idea. They just had the words dark elf written on a dry erase board and they went from there. <laughs> I think that she seems like a really interesting director. And I thought, okay, now obviously this again is going to hopefully help kind of knock the legs off that idea that, uh, that, that women don't make these types of films, that tentpole films can't be made by women, starring women for women, you know. Yeah, that's it's just that's just not accurate anymore. Like in that and that's the one thing that I love about like just going into this weekend and I'm actually, you know, excited to see this movie overperform because I have a feeling that it's gonna overperform and that is gonna be huge for DC, for the comic book movies, for the box office, for women filmmakers, for women and anything like that. Like it's there's nothing but positive things to come out of this movie succeeding and i just i just you know i don't know i'm just curious like i just want to see what they do with this character what they do with their films like you know it's kind of discerning and and, and rather disappointing to hear all these movies being announced you know in these like 10 year schedules that they have for these you know dc or marvel and it's just crazy that like there's not more of a female voice in some of these films and you know being able to see this film and and to see what patty jenkins uh, has put on the screen. It's just like, that's just fucking ridiculous. Like, you know, that, that needs to change. I mean, all the excitement about uh, Ava DuVernay, like being possibly, wasn't she like supposed to maybe be involved with like Black Panther? Yeah, she was, she was set point? to direct it. She left really early. She said that she enjoyed the talks and that they got along great, but very early she realized that she didn't want to make the movie that they wanted to make and she just walked mm. away because it's their movie and she knew she wouldn't 
win that fight, and so why fight? It was what kind of what she that's, said. That's, that, and that's kind of worrisome to me because like that's two female directors walking away from like Marvel franchises. That that's right. that's weird. It like that's weird. that's. N- I think that's a setback. I think that's a setback based on the, you know, some of the things that we like about them, which is the sort of continuing story. I think the fallout from that is that if someone does have an idea that might be a great idea that doesn't fit the model, right, uh, it's not going to break through. That's true. I don't think they've had like a breakout female character yet that that competes with what Wonder Woman is at all. Right. Uh, totally. Yeah. Maybe unless I'm forgetting something. Maybe Scarlet Witch will come out of it. Uh, standalone. Maybe Black Widow will come out of it. Maybe a She-Hulk movie will come out of it. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I think that it's going to have like a Deadpool effect on these movies in the, in the in the comic book world. I think it'll prompt people to kind of think we should make more women-led films. Right. I think it's going to spark well, a bunch of stuff. It's going to be like a. So so so. There's your there's your wow moment is that DC is going to influence that change possibly with this film. Right. Marvel's yeah. been at it for a decade now, and they haven't had that haven't had the balls to do that. Isn't that like, weird? That that that's a check mark in the DC column if they succeed at that. Yeah. And, and you know, kudos to them. So I, I guess those are our general thoughts. I have a couple of kind of spoilery things I wanted to just kind of chat with you guys about. So unless anybody has anything else to mention, nah. just to kind of wrap it up, we'll move on to that territory. Nope. Let's do it. Okay, so here we are in the spoiler section. And uh, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the fate of Steve Trevor in this film a character who could easily have been alive at the end of the movie to set up the suggestion of future adventures. They just sort of went with the most dramatic and kind of plot servicing and story servicing thing and, and blew him all the way up. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> in a giant uh, you know, explosion up in the sky. So I thought that was kind of a bold choice. But when I thought about it, I realized, well, there's no way that he's alive 100 years later. And so unless they intend to make Wonder Woman movies that are set in the past, and it made me very curious... If they intend to do that, if they intend to go back to the World War One era for any more uh, stories with her, because they left a, a core group of characters around her that are pretty interesting characters that I like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it felt like a bold decision, even though it did sort of seem like, well, what else are you going to do with that character? There's no way he can be around later. So what did you think of that? And was that one of the highlights of the movie for you as it was for me? Just this moment where you realize, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to actually pull this off, this very emotional thing and have him playing it, as you kind of were mentioning, Chris Pine's performance, playing that moment to the hilt. The sort of almost joy and fear and just this weird moment of elation that he experienced uh, realizing that he was going to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean I I thought, I I love that they went for it. I love that they set that character up to have that moment. And I mean, the whole film, even like you were talking about her being introduced, like her first, you know, the first man that she meets is like this very honest, very do the right thing, you know, serve my country, whatever, however you want to say it. Like he, he kind of, you know, sticks with that the whole movie and is challenged with that, you know, even with her view on the world. And I just, I, I think they really knocked out of the park by letting him, you know, have that moment and, uh. You know, I, I I don't know that I care to see, like, you know, had they taken that moment away and, like, if they had sequels, like, that continued in that World War, excuse me, World War One era. Like, I don't know that I need to keep seeing his character because I think that that sacrifice of the character is really what kind of humanizes Diana's character. I feel like, you know, even though lives were lost on the island when that battle happens, I mean, in this new world that she's a part of and that she's kind of being acclimated to... 
I think experiencing that personal loss of something that she had never felt on on a level of something that she had never felt before on her island or you know on her life prior to ever meeting Steve. I think that's a driving force for where her character goes, and I think that that weighs heavily on her character and has an impact on her character and and gives her a dose of relatability to anything that she may come in contact with in the future, whether it's in the immediate future or in the world that the Batman v Superman or Justice League you know story will be taking place in. Yeah, it takes a person who's playing in the field of almost being like a god. And for her to lose somebody, like it's something that she can't prevent from happening, yep, you know. Yep. Um, and and for her to be exposed to mortality in that strong sense of like, oh, this guy knew when he went up with this, his plan was to sacrifice himself, and he knew that was going to be it for him, and there was going to be no potential for survival. I think you're right that it does. You can imagine that that's part of her her heroism going forward. And and again, just the super confident character that we've seen her be. I think. It was cool to see this little slice of her being a little bit more naive about the world because I don't think that fits into uh, her now that we've seen her in the current day. So in a way, maybe they needed this little piece so that we could, as you said, humanize her before we see her, you know, fighting whatever aliens or robots she's going to be fighting in the next couple movies. <laughs> right. <that she's> <laughs> After Rogue One, um, I want everybody to die. Um Honestly, <laughs> but but yeah, I think it does. It does. This is like Steve was like her Uncle Ben, not to be to bring up Spider-Man, but like that the character building, having that happen to her is pretty incredible because, you know, uh, I, I talking about periods of comic book movies 10 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened in a comic book movie. It would have been, you know, he would have. The, the the airplane would have blown up. They would have been mourning him. And then he would have appeared behind a rock, all beat up and disheveled because he he ejected <laughs> himself out of the seat. You know what I mean? Like, it's good yeah. that we're seeing people really dying in things. I know it's, you know, people are trying to escape from their, their pain when they're watching a comic book movie. But God damn it, people have to die because <laughs> it shows that there's there's some stakes in the in the battles totally i think especially when you're talking about a character like steve trevor who when you think about what they might want to do with her going forward there's no real need for her to have a specific sort of paramour you know like that uh uh, so it makes sense dramatically to do it 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 still felt like it took a certain amount of balls to um i mean we've just raved about how good chris pine is to take somebody like that and he's like he's in your franchise he's in your playground now and you're gonna he's a one and done i mean maybe that was part of his contract or who knows maybe he didn't want to do a a six picture deal right but um that totally feels like the sort of character who is like if you're setting up her world you're totally setting her up with this kind of second banana who seems like a lot of fun and you could see this being great and then to snuff that out in one movie it's just a storytelling choice that it just feels like a real story, even though, as we said, the stakes are kind of slight and the pacing is a little weird. But as if you're looking for what's the emotional crux of the movie, it's probably her seeing him blow himself up, uh, you know, to save everybody. Right. Even though what he was saving everybody from, I felt like was so vaguely sketched in as far as a threat. That was something that was almost a non-issue for me was what the bad guys were actually trying to do. I don't know if it made a big impression on you guys, but... Um, I mean, and I suppose that's the other real spoiler territory of the film is who the real villain turns out to be and what's going on. But um, uh, 
yeah, the whole switcheroo from thinking it's Danny Houston to it turning out to be David Thewlis, it, it really didn't work dramatically. It didn't work really in a character sense. Yeah, no. I had at that point become certain that David Thewlis was the villain because why else was he kind of lurking around being vaguely, <laughs> like, he's got, he knows more than he yeah. says, you know? But uh, I, also, I just think Danny Houston has played... That's his name, right? Yeah. He has played that character... I think he was in The Wolverine. Totally. Not The Wolverine. He was in Wolverine Origins, whatever that... Yeah. The worst Wolverine movie was. I think he was the kind of government spook in that. And it was a very similar character where he's just kind of standing around in warehouses and pointing at things and <laughs> saying things. And and it's just... It doesn't make much of an impression. You know, that kind of villain, that bureaucratic sort of villain just really didn't seem like that was going to be the crux of the movie. And so when it turned out not to be, I really was not surprised. Um, but I, I suspected it was David Thewlis from the first moment he was in the film. I was just like, oh, he's here and I don't think he has much to do. So why would he be doing this if he weren't also doing something else? Did you think there was any value in that, having David Thewlis be the secret villain of the movie? No, no. And the, and the fact that it happens so much in these movies, it makes it... I would, I, the surprise would be if there were just one villain for the whole movie. That would surprise the fuck out of me, honestly. Because <laughs> it's always this like, no, this is not the figurehead. It must be. It's always that shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's it's not You're manipulative right. anymore if you keep doing it over and over again. So, um, no, I agree. Yeah. So I, I wasn't impressed. The. the it's, it's so weird to me that they even went for that because, I mean, I think they spend so much time, you know, with the Danny Houston and his little like, yes. Dr. Poison character. You know, they spend so much time, like, building them up and showing how, you know, bad they are. Like, literally killing their own men, killing their own, you know, war comrades, killing an entire village uh, with this gas that is, you know, basically unstoppable. Um I just, I don't know, it's just, it, it almost seems like it would have made, I mean, obviously, I'm this from like what Ronald's saying, like, go, much more logic in just saying that is the villain. Now, if you want David Thewlis' character to be, like, you know, kind of like an, an, a lingering villain, you know, maybe if they are going to continue like a Wonder Woman series that takes place in the past, like, don't, don't let her know that that's that character, you know, like, let the battle be between her and Danny Houston's character make it a bigger battle. That's your big end fight. But you know the idea that like the war continues, and the idea that more wars follow. Like let that God character, let that character that he's playing, maybe stay present. You know, stay around, be influencing man in the most negative and, and despicable of ways. You know, don't don't blow that up. Like in the end of the first film that you give this character who so deeply believes in this mythology of the gods. It just seems like a bad decision. But if, if it also felt very Harry Potterish or something to me, just to have the sort of the Tweety British guy with the handlebar mustache who, you know, is like, oh, I'm actually a, <laughs> a as you said, Ronald, I'm actually a giant floating man in the sky who still has a very British uh, <laughs> yes. handlebar mustache. <laughs> so, yeah, you kind of mentioned earlier a little bit about the uh, the future of the franchise, Steve. I think that we all heard the news fairly recently about Zack Snyder leaving Justice League to... Uh, spend time with his family in the wake of an awful tragedy, which was that his daughter had committed suicide. Um, yeah. And he finally decided to leave the film. Uh, and handing it over to Joss Whedon seemed to be something that was done in the moment, but also it sounded like Joss Whedon had already been working on the film. Maybe he's been helping out with DC's whole slate ever since they signed him on to do Batgirl. Yeah. Um, anyway, it just... 
as the movie came up and the name Zack Snyder came up, Ronald leaned over to me and said that it, he just doesn't have any fun uh, making fun of Zack Snyder anymore <laughs> and saying bad things about him. And I said, yeah, it kind of does take the sting out of like bitching about his movie's uh, stylistic choices when um, when you realize he's been going through something really terrible. But it still, to me, leaves me with the question of what do we expect Justice League to be at this point? Dude, I have no clue. I'm kind of at a loss for what that movie's going to do um, with so many characters that, you know, half of them we don't really even have any kind of introduction to yet besides what was in a flash drive that was left for Batman. <laughs> we'll see, man. I don't know. I don't I don't know, know what to expect from it. I mean, you know, losing directors, losing... I mean, Billy Crudup left The Flash. Um, um, but He left when the most recent director left. Wasn't there yeah. another director who just left? I there was I, I don't remember who it was. The guy that's playing the Flash isn't going to be the Flash anymore. No, no, he is. Oh no, no, no. Billy Crudup was going to play his dad, I think. Gotcha. All right. Who's important to the mythology of the Flash? Yeah. But what do you think of all that, Ronald? Just the the, the potential uh, for that movie. Uh Justice League. It all I dismal. When I when I think about all of the stuff, I think dismal. I think very very dismal. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I I just I don't know. I'm I'm excited, but I'm also very nervous for all of them. <laughs> the fate of DC rests on these two movies. Like Wonder Woman's the first one, Justice League is the second, and I'm you know I think that'll build people's either faith in it or it'll it'll crush people. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's it. Right. It's a little bit like you come out of a movie going, I really liked that because it didn't suck, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that, and that shouldn't feel like a bold step, uh, but it is. All right. Well, I think I think the overall vibe is that we're saying go ahead to Wonder Woman this weekend. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, what else? So, yeah, you guys can find us on whatever podcast app you use on your devices, iTunes, um, what else? Google Music, uh, pretty much anything really. We're there. We should be there. If we're not, let us know. But um, however you find your podcast, be sure to find Movie Schmovie and like it, review it, rating, whatever you can do with it. Recommend it to a friend. Text message your friends and tell them, check us out. It would be very much appreciated. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can uh, find us on Facebook or you can email us at movieshmovie at gmail.com. And... Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another new episode. And otherwise, do you guys have anything else to throw down? No, I think that's it. How about you, John? I feel pretty good about what we just did here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then on that note, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.